Welcome back to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy. You can find me on Twitter at Joy on Broad. Joined as always by the ever so snazzy Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Ant San Philly. Anthony, uh, Eric Carlson snazzy. was snazzy. Snazzy. Eric, snazzy. Eric, Eric Carlson was uh, was traded and uh, really excited to see him in the orange and black. Oh, wait, that's right. That's right. The Flyers didn't make the trade for Eric Carlson that we've only, you know, been outlining on this show for the better part of what? Three months now. Uh, Eric Carlson will not be wearing the orange and black this year unless uh, San Jose wants to cough up another first round pick. We'll come back to that deal in a little bit. But uh, Anthony, how, how are things going for you uh, since our last conversation following the uh, interview with Alex Lyon? I'm exhausted, Russ. If you, if you really must know. Time for I'm the com- uh, the shameless plug. Let's go. Well, my show opens tomorrow that I directed. Guys and Dolls at Players Club of Swarthmore. Um, it opens tomorrow, which we're recording on Thursday the 13th. So it opens tomorrow uh, and runs through the end of the month. Um, PCSTheater.org if you want tickets. Not that anybody who's listening to a hockey podcast is going to want to come see a, uh, a musical. However, Glenn Mack now from WIP is in it, so that that's interesting. But um, no, I've I've spent the last uh, four days at the theater. I've been there about fifteen hours each day. So it's been it's been it's been something else. So yeah, so the fact that you you're keeping me up this late on a, on a Thursday night, which is normally not a problem, it's tonight has me a little bit cranky. Mm-hmm. I feel you. It's a yeah. It's a shame. Well, you know, I'm I'm wondering if I'm going to be waking up at five forty five to record a uh, an episode of Crossing Broadcast. I guess we'll see uh see how that one works out as well. So <laughs> I'm kind of thinking this is probably not going to happen. I mean, I might wake up. I I just feel like I'm going to be sitting here with my mic again. So uh, you know, anyway, here we go. So uh, I, I don't know. Let's let's on the here we are on like the eve of uh, Flyers training camp opening up. We're going to lead off the show with the Eric Carlson trade because. It is important, I think, in the grand scheme of things, as we kind of look at where this team is going to fit into the Eastern Conference, we can now, if if it wasn't already kind of a, a formality at this point, we now know that Ottawa is uh, is not going to be contending for the title or for you know any kind of real position in the Eastern Conference after trading away arguably the best defenseman in the game for what amounted to a 40-point uh, scoring center uh, defenseman who scored 20 points last season, couple of minor leaguers a guaranteed first a guaranteed second and you know a few conditional picks let's kind of break it down one of the questions that we had gotten on twitter which you know we're going to get to all of those questions that we were asked you know was what would this equivalent look like on the flyer side of things and you know team waits until the last possible minute uh right till the eve of training camp to you know deal their best player and somebody who's kind of been a hallmark of that franchise and uh certainly did not get the value that they could have gotten at last year's trade deadline. No, and it's interesting. Like, we talked about this, right? I mean, we've ad nauseum over the summer. We were putting together potential trade packages that the Flyers could have, you know, maybe offered for a Carlson. And I'll tell you that the trade packages we put together were far far better than what Ottawa um, ultimately accepted um, in the deal. Uh, from San Jose, and that's that bothers me a little bit because I mean there is no guarantee that he plays beyond this year, right? I mean he's he he has the right to become a free agent at the end of the season, so this could just be a one and done for the Sharks, and and boy that's a uh, in that regard it's a lot to give up at least draft pick wise um, for a one season of Eric Carlson, but I mean the Sharks are. Um, 
uh, are really going to go for it this year. I mean, the Western Conference is kind of wide open. Um, the Sharks were in the final two years ago. They still have all their veteran players, and now you add the best defenseman in, in hockey um, to the team. I think that they have to be a, a favorite now out, out West, at least to get to the final. Um, so it's probably worth it from – it's definitely worth it from the Sharks' perspective. So maybe that's why, if you're Ron Hextall, you're a little bit leery about giving up as much as, as the Sharks did as far as the picks are concerned. But the players that the Sharks gave up are really not inspiring. So you mentioned Chris Tierney. Chris Tierney is center. He had a 40-point season in the NHL last year. I, I don't think there's a real comparison um, on the Flyers, in all honesty, Chris Tierney would be a, a nice third line center <laughs> for the for the Flyers. Uh, Which something we'll that get they, back to in a little bit. Well, yeah, something that they don't really have right now. So I, I don't even know who I could compare him to on the Flyers roster. I mean, I, uh, well, I mean, I mean, point, point production wise, like he he had seven more points than like Valtteri Fibula last year. Yeah, but he's they're young, not they're yeah. yeah they're, I mean, he's a lot younger. I mean, he's he's a better overall player. But I mean, points wise, if you're looking for somebody there, I mean, he falls kind of in between Fibula and uh, I mean, I I guess like Konechny, but Konechny, right? I mean, player. in all honesty, I mean, that's probably. Konechny's a better player than Tierney, but I, I mean, that's probably the closest comparison as far as a for, forward production-wise. Um, that's on the Flyers. Uh, Dylan DeMello, another uh, NHL quality uh, defenseman. And what I mean by quality is that he could play at this le- at that level, um, and he can be one of your guys. He's not going to blow you away. He's not going to be a top-pair guy. He's more of a 4-5 kind of thing, uh, maybe even a 6. Um, he's, def- he's definitely in your lineup type player. Uh, and he's young. He's on an entry level contract. I, you know, maybe Robert Haig, you know, kind of, maybe a little bit better than that. Um, well, point protection wise, he's uh, he's more or less a, a good old fashioned Andrew McDonald. Yeah, but he's young. Well, you know what? In fairness, though, Andrew McDonald did have six more goals last year. So, yeah, uh, nah, that's, that's why I said he's probably a little bit better than Haig, right? So okay, so that there's that trade off. Then you look at the two. Um, forwards or minor league forwards josh norris was the sharks first round pick in 2017 um so you you look at him and say okay well where where does that fit you know for the flyers um maybe roots who we had talked about um you know, as some I, probably someone we would have put in the uh, in the trade. Rupsoff was the first round pick in 2016. You know, Morgan Frost was the first round pick in 2017. Obviously, the Flyers like Frost, so um, I don't think that they look at him as a uh, as a guy that they would have moved in this trade. But maybe Rupsoff uh, would be that player. Um, and then the other guy that was traded was uh, Rudolph's Balsers, a left wing fifth round pick. Actually, kind of skyrocketed up through. Um, the Sharks prospect list uh, become one of their, I think he was their third best, considered like their third best prospect in that um, uh, sporting news rankings, uh, top 10 prospects per team uh, that came out uh, back in August. So I think he was ranked third, but he was a fifth round pick. So maybe he was like your Oscar Lindblom, if you want to, I think that's probably a fair comparison there. Um, and then uh, there, then there's the draft picks, uh, future draft picks. So a, um, uh, a second-round pick next year, uh, a first-round pick in either 2019 or 2020. I think it conveys 
I think that there's something that ties into if they make the playoffs or if they go to the Stanley Cup final or something. And then two conditional picks. One, which would uh, require the Sharks moving Carlson to the Eastern Conference, <clears throat> which is really not going to convey. Uh, but the other one had to do with, if I remember correctly, the Sharks re- uh, signing um, Carlson beyond this season. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, if that's the case, the Senators would also get a 2021 second rounder. So you're lo- you're looking at three picks and that are either first or second round picks over the next three years as well. So and ultimately at seven pieces um, that the Senators got, <coughs> not not necessarily any that really really excite you. You're talking late first round pick, um, later second round picks, and then you know. Two NHL players, but depth players, and then two prospects that, you know, are just guys that right now they're not anything that you're really looking at as as top level talent that compares to you know getting rid of a guy like Eric Carlson. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you're so if you're the Flyers, you know, the players that we talked about, would you make those trades? Would you would you make that trade if if it was those players? Konechny, Rubsov, Haig. Lindblom and uh, and some draft picks and some draft picks, yeah. I mean, that was what was so funny about it from a, a few episodes ago. I think you would ask me would I be willing to trade like Sanheim, Konechny, and I feel like there was a you'd brought up the the possibility of more of a straight up sort of deal or a uh, a deal that was maybe like a draft pick and Nolan Patrick for uh, for Carlson, and I I kind of scoffed at that. But like at, at the time, the idea of Konechny and Sanheim and you know. Plus, I think you had said another another player or two, another young player or two. And I, I said, yeah, you know what? Like, ultimately, if you're getting the best defenseman in hockey, then, yeah, you know, it's, it's worth it if you think that there aren't that many years left in the illustrious careers of Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux, and you really wanted to go for it this year, as evidenced in some way by the JVR signing and not, you know, trading away Wayne Simmons this offseason. Like, okay, fine. If you were going to push all the chips in, then, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I, I could have seen it, but... Seeing the value that that came out of the steal, I'm I'm a little bit confused why the Flyers weren't bigger players, and I I get the fact that, you know, the report is that Ottawa just simply did not want to trade him within the conference, but that to me is just dumb. And so that let me kind of pull this back in for a second. There was um, um, a question on Twitter that we got from uh, Adam Graff at or Adam Graff at Graff Hockey Ten, who said. Why did Ottawa limit their overall return by saying they won't trade him to the Eastern Conference, cuts the league in half, and loses le- leverage? And this is something that we, we've seen in you know plenty of sports in the past. Just it, in general, the concept of not wanting to trade a guy within your own conference, your own division, whatever it is, your own league in baseball. Um, to me, it, like cutting your market down, uh, especially if you know you're not going to be in contention the next few years, just kind of seems silly. I mean, it's not like he's going from a powerhouse to another powerhouse and you're still trying to contend while trading him away. Not only did you not get significant value that's going to help you immediately, um, but you're clearly not set up to be a contender uh, the next few years. So if you're in the middle of a rebuild, it doesn't matter where you go, as long as the, the guy you know fetches you the best value. And if you know the better offers existed in the Eastern Conference by teams that we had outlined in a previous episode, then like... You know, Ottawa kind of did themselves and their fans a disservice because not only did you now trade away the face of your franchise and, you know, again, the best defenseman in hockey, but like you did it for 
I don't know, dimes on the dollar. Like it, it sure doesn't look like any kind of significant value. And yeah, is it a one-year rental potentially for San Jose? Sure. Does it make them a better contender in the Western Conference? Absolutely. Is it a price that I think probably seven, eight, maybe even nine teams in the Eastern Conference would have been willing to not only meet but but surpass? Yeah, and I think they could have done it. And so I'm, I'd be kind of disgusted right now if I were a Sens fan. Well, you should be. I mean, because they're going to be the worst team in hockey, and they're going to be the worst team in hockey for a couple of years. I mean, you don't just fix it that quick. I mean, they're going to, you know, th- there's more to more fallout to come there. I mean, they traded their first round pick for Matt Duchesne last year, and um, he's a free agent after this season. So I, I got to anticipate that the Senators will trade Duchesne before the trade deadline. Um, and then basically you're stuck with a bunch of nobodies and Bobby Ryan's contract that nobody wants. And, and, and that's oh, it. Let's get ready for the Bobby Ryan hype train. Everybody always wants to bring Bobby Ryan into Philly. Cherry Hill's own. I d- simply didn't know it. I wouldn't know it from every time, you know, any Flyers fan ever has, has happened to bring that up. You know, uh, Mike Trout is actually from, uh, from Millville, New Jersey. I didn't know that. Didn't know just, that either. Just found out. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so the Senators are going to be bad, and and it's a good do. It, it's a good move for um, the Sharks. Um, you know, Vegas, Vegas has bulked bulked up. I mean, you know, they went to the final last year, and they you know, they they got Stastny, who the Flyers really wanted, um, and then they just made a trade uh, for Max Pacioretty with Montreal, who's also going to stink this year. With that division, it, I, I, there's something we got to really take into consideration. Um, when you talk about the Flyers this year, is that the it's going to be tough to get the the wild cards out of the Metropolitan because the division is a little bit closer. Whereas you have the two worst teams in hockey playing in the Atlantic, which means that those teams who get to play those those teams a couple extra times, they're going to you know have the ability to finish with better records towards the top of that of their division. So I bet you the wild cards are gonna are gonna you know probably come out of that division more so than the Metro, at least one if not both. Um, so it's gonna make it even harder uh, for the Flyers this year. Not to say that they're not a playoff team, but that it, it's gonna be a little bit more competitive. Um, but anyway, back to what I was saying. You know, Vegas got you know Stasny and Pax already. Uh, the Kings won um, the Kovalchuk sweepstakes uh, at the free agency, um, and you know, and now the Sharks, um, you know, they they bring back Evander Kane after re-signing him after he was a trade deadline acquisition last year, and now they add Carlson to a defensive core that has Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, uh, as, or as Pickles as he's known as, uh, mm-hmm. which is one of the great nicknames in hockey. Um, I I think that. Uh, I think that that's that that that's a good team, you know. When you really look at, you know, I mean, they got um, Pavelski and Couture, and you know, still, you know, Big Joe Thornton and uh, Thomas Thomas Hurdle. Um, I mean, they got a, they got a pretty solid team uh, in San Jose. I, I think that's a that's a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, the, the West, I think, is, is heavy. Of it's San Jose, L.A. Vegas, Nashville. I think they're the four best teams out west, and you know one of them will be in the final this year. Thanks for nothing, you hosers. Good old Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, right, look, let's, uh, you know, let's, you, let's leave them. I'm well. I mean, you know, ultimately, I mean, I'm it's, disgusted. It's, dis- like, it's, it's disappointing. Good. It's disappointing that the Flyers weren't in it. But I mean, I, you know, I say that, and I say that, you know, geez, you know, you could have offered more than what. But maybe, maybe the case is that you know. Eugene Melnick did. and the Senators, you know, their GM Pierre Dorian, 
Maybe they were really adamant about not. I mean, you know, I mean, do you ever? You say you don't want to trade him to another team in the Eastern Conference, but you know, do you have a price where you suddenly decide, okay, we will make you that make that trade? And that that becomes a question, you know. And and I wonder. I mean, if you're if you're the Flyers and you think that you're on the brink uh, of being that that contending team, why don't you make that move? I don't know. I I, I would have at least tried. And maybe Hextall they did. They might have. I mean, in fairness, yeah. they they very well might have. We don't know. We won't know uh, unless somebody decides to leak it to uh, either myself or Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly if you want to drop it in his DMs, or just pick up the phone and give the man a call. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. We're listening. We're yeah. waiting. Uh, anyway, so there were, there were I guess, a, a few things that are going on in Flyers land. The, uh, the team rolled out, I guess, what the... Um, uh, the training camp lineups are going to look like uh, at least for tomorrow. There are no real shocks on this list. They do have Couturier listed as somebody who's going to be participating in the skate. So that's um, at, at least as of what I saw two hours ago, he's listed on there. Um, so for those <laughs> keeping keeping track, the uh, the group one groups are going to be Konechny, Couturier, Simmons, Lear, Lawton, Giroux, Corbin Knight, Jordan Wheel, Cole Bedro- or Bardreau, uh, Vorobiev's out there. Kerry Rubtsov. What's this guy's name? Faziv? Yeah. Radel yeah. Faziv. Fa- F- yeah. Radel Fazliv. Yeah. Is that an L? Fazliv. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Pascal. I love Pascal. Uh, Isaac Ratcliffe will be out there. Uh, Torinsky, which kind of looks like uh, Tara Lipinski as uh, one word. And then uh, Bunneman. Connor Bunneman. Hey there. Like Cinnabunneman. All right. Uh, Provorov is out there with Fulman, uh, TJ Brennan, who's going to be everybody's favorite seventh defenseman, Reese Wilcox, Phil Myers, who people are, are kind of hyped about. We'll come back to him in a minute. Uh, Zamula, Drake, Hora, and who's out there? Brian Elliott, Stolars, at Stoli, the goalie on Twitter, and Carter Hart. So that first group, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how this works, so I, I, I guess I'll kind of throw this to you. When we see a group like that, and then like the group two, I, I could go down these these uh, these names, but really the the biggest names in group two, they're going to go on the ice twelve uh, fifteen to two thirty. Of course, the big names are uh, Yori Laterra and Dale Weiss, uh, along with uh, Danik Martell. So uh, we don't need to mention the fact that JVR and Nolan Patrick, nobody cares about them, but uh, they they're out there for the later skate along with uh, let's see Raffles out there McDonald uh, Colin McDonald not Andrew McDonald he's he's dead to us for six weeks uh, Goldburn Goldborn uh, our favorite player who Hextall name dropped Nick Abi Kubel Morgan Frost to be out there Vicky Oni Strom Voracek uh, Gudis Sanheim Hay Gostaspare Palmquist Friedman uh, um, and Noivy's out there and our our favorite goalie Alex Lyon will be out there as well. When the team divides these groups up, what exactly are they looking for? Obviously, you're not putting all of your best and brightest out there. It would appear they are a lot more wing-heavy in the second group. A lot of centers, uh, a majority of the forwards that are going to be out on the ice skating uh, in the first group are going to be centers. How does a team come up with how they devise what groups go out? Is, is this just simply you know, designing drills based around position? Is this something where they want to get you know, veteran leaders in working with young kids and kind of showing them the ropes. Like, what are we looking at? Uh, don't don't read into it much at all. I mean, okay. and, uh, here's here's what you need to know about training camp. Day one, day two, 
maybe day three. You know, they're just out there in different groups. You know, guys skating at different times. You know, who they it could be related to if they have to do uh, if there's somebody's got to get a physical if there's some kind of a, whatever it could be any number of reasons. But there is no real rhyme or reason why certain people are in one group and not in another um, on these first couple days. They will split the groups uh, usually after the first. It's usually after game the first preseason game, um, but sometimes it's even sooner than that. They will split the groups in two, and the group that's in group two is all minor leaguers. <laughs> that's when you know who the real who's got a real shot at making the team, and that's when the that's when it becomes interesting. Um, and they'll keep you know they'll probably keep twenty eight to thirty people in their in their main group. And you sit there and say, okay, now there's you know a handful of guys. So you know you know these are the players that they're thinking about for you know first call ups if there's an injury kind of thing. And then there's a couple guys you always know. All right, who's battling for that last defenseman spot? You know, Phil Myers is probably going to get a long look. Obviously, um, guy like Vorobiev and Albe Kubel will probably get longer looks uh, as depth forwards. Um, so there's you know things like that that you'll see. Um, but yeah, you don't need day one. It doesn't matter. It's it's really. I mean, it's just a workout session. They're just going out there and they're just going to be running drills and inst, you know installing you know game plans and you know not for specific teams, but installing systems, not game plans, systems. Um, um, you know, and just seeing how guys look within within those systems, and you know, but they pretty much have have their minds made up. Or the, the the one that's the one thing about hockey training camp. It's different from the other sports. They pretty much come in, come in knowing what they're going to do. I mean, yeah, there's a, you know, if a guy looks good through a handful of preseason games, you might open your eyes a little bit and you know beat out the last guy. But I mean, for the most part, you know what your hockey team's going to be, and the Flyers know. I would get, I would venture to say they know of the 22 guys that they're going to carry on opening night, 22, 23. They know 20 <laughs> right at this point. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put much stock into it. All right, so here's a, uh, a, I guess, two things that I, I want to touch on. One of them really briefly. Wayne Simmons is still here. He was not traded this offseason. Uh, we've gone back and forth about this so many times. I don't want to just continue to repeat the past conversation that we've had. But it, it, it would appear to be a little bit surprising that Wayne is still here. And not only was he not traded, but he also hasn't been re-signed in the offseason. And Hextall does not make it uh, or has not made it. Um, a, a common place to sign a guy mid-year. So it would appear that they are kind of kind of going towards that trade deadline as, you know, as I've kind of uh, feared in the past that, you know, are we going to get to a situation where Wayne is going to have a bounce-back season um, and the team knows that they're just not going to be able to afford him or they're not going to want to spend that money and they're going to trade him at the deadline and cause a, uh, a locker room leadership void. Or is this just going to be a thing where they're going to like just play out the whole year with Wayne and, and see how it goes and see if if he rebounds, then great. You know, you kind of wish him his best on the way out. Or is, like, I, I don't see a way where Wayne Simmons ends up taking a, a team-friendly deal that, that the Flyers really feel like uh, is is friendly enough for them. So, I don't know. Are you, are you surprised that he's still here? Or is this a situation where they just realize that they could, they could use a, a big wing and and somebody that, like, if Giroux ends up having to move back to center, which we'll talk about in a minute, that, you know, it, it certainly doesn't hurt to have, you know, a legitimate option on the wing. I, I honestly think this is a show-me situation. 
I really think that's where they're at. Like I, I think um, Simmons and uh, and his agent are pushing for a longer, you know, a, a, la- a good one more good contract because um, he's twenty nine and you know he'd like to get into his thirties, making some more money. And, and the Flyers looking at it and saying, well, we don't want to commit long term to somebody who might you know start breaking down a little bit because he's such a physical player such a you know he's such a warrior you know and stuff like that and the flyers recognize the 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 positives that wayne simmons brings um but uh, so i think it's more of a show me kind of situation like i think the flyers are sitting back saying you know what we'll consider you know a better offer but let's see how it starts how his season starts and if simmons comes out and starts the season looks really healthy looks good can skate again um then I think that they might consider a, a an extension in the season. Um, but if he comes out and struggles or he's not, not scoring well or he gets hurt again or he just doesn't look himself, I think the Flyers just ride it out, man, and say this is this will be the last season and, you know, and if we're in it, you know, he'll be part of it. And if we're not in it, then maybe we move him at the deadline. So um, I, think it's, I think that's where they're at, and I think that's why we're at a little bit of a stalemate. Um, and I think Wayne Simmons recognizes that as well. Um, it was interesting to hear him talk about his health when he um, was available for an interview with uh, uh, with NBC Sports, and and he and you know talk a little talk a little bit about you know how he feels and how his body is at this point, and um, so I think he recognizes it as well. And that's probably where it's at, and it's probably a right thing. I mean, you know, if you really kind of break it down, it's it's probably the right approach for the Flyers to take. And and Wayne's probably you know got to understand that you know it, the, there is a business side to the sport and um, you know he loves playing here he loves being here he loves being involved with this team and this community and I think that you know he's not the kind of guy who's going to sulk over the fact that he's not got doesn't have a new contract at the start of the season I think he's the kind of guy who will motivate himself to be as as good a player as he can be to try and get that new contract um, but ultimately it's you know. Human human nature will decide and determine um, whether or not he gets it. Because if he if he's okay physically and he can start putting up the same or similar production numbers that he was putting up prior to last season, he'll get a contract with the Flyers. And if he doesn't, if he struggles, he won't get one. That's pretty cut and dry. Boom, done. Let's go to three C, not high C, three C. Uh, we are in a situation now where it looks like the Flyers, uh, at least on the depth chart, since we know that Couturier is going to be skating tomorrow, I think we can kind of put to bed the the uh, the fear and loathing that was starting to come out of certain segments of the Flyers fan base that we might see Claude Giroux move back to top line center, at least to start the season with Couturier on the shelf. Although, in our conversation before the show, it seems like you have not let this one die. In fact, you might actually think that the team will roll Claude Giroux out as the top line center. I, I don't know. I mean, I think you might see it in training camp. I think they might take a look at it. I mean, you remember last year in training camp, they rolled out Giroux as a wing, and they were like, well, it's just something we want to look at. You know, we're not committing to this. And then, lo and behold, he had <laughs> the best season of his career um, uh, playing left wing. Um I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Giroux back playing center in training camp for a game or two, and the Flyers will say it's just something we want to look at. Um, I think one of the things that, that is that they 
They really don't have a third-line center, and you really need a third-line center. And the best third-line center on this team was your first-line center last year. And you can't kill Couturier uh, and make him play ridiculous minutes. And, you know, he has to constantly take the defensive zone draws. He's got to play a lot on the offensive end with Giroux. So, like, what, where, do you, where does he fit? You know, how is it, how is it best put together? And they may say we're willing to sacrifice whatever potential offense Couturier can give us to ensure we have a better defensive uh, player uh, at 3C. So, what if, and again, this is just me speculating, this is not any information, um, but uh, uh, let's let's say you go Giroux, Van Riemsdyk, Konechny as your top line. Let's say you go... Um, Patrick with Voracek and Lindblom as your second line. And then play Couturier with Simmons and who am I forgetting as another left wing? Give me a sec. <laughs> I'm, I'm just no, 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 I, thought, I thought I heard my kid like crying upstairs. <laughs> No, I which th- I think I th- is is kind of like how we're all feeling right now with the yeah. the idea of breaking up what was a successful top line last year. Well, that's not to say that they won't be together again. I just think that it's something you might see them consider. Um, why am I for- why am I forgetting who the other wing would be? Who the seventh wing is? Uh, uh, um, let me give me a sec. What is going? Okay, I'm back. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go through it again, real quick. Okay, go, 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 go. All right, We're, you want me to do this again? Yeah, because it'll okay. it'll be better the second time, right? Uh, oh, I for, it, it was uh, Jordan Wheel or Michael Roffel. Either way, would be the would be your your last guy on that. So, okay, so let's say here's your your top your top line just for just for kicks. Let's go JVR on the left, Giroux at center, Konechny on the right. Your second line, you have Lindblom on the left. On second line. Just listen to me. I don't like this at all. Patrick at center, yep. Voracek on the right. Now you have Limblom's a really good defensive player, okay. and you're going to put you're going to put a good defensive player with two gifted offensive players who are not very good defensively. Okay, right. So it's a nice comp. It's actually a nice combination. Um, and you know, they'll Patrick and and Voracek will help Limblom score a little bit more, and he'll be more defensively responsible. I actually think it's a, actually think it's a pretty good line. Um, not sure that they'll do it, but I actually think it's a pretty good line. And then your third line, you have Couturier centering Simmons on the right, and then on the left, it, this is where it gets a little. This is where they would they should have had somebody else. You could go either Wheel or Raffle on the third line. You'll get a good defensive. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll be a Raffle, good defense if you go with Raffle. It'll be a very good third line. Very good th- defensively. You're, you're not going to do a lot against those guys. And, and you know, Couturier um, obviously showed he could be a two-way player. Um, you know, Simmons is, you know, you know we, we know he's got a goal-scoring touch, and he's not a bad defensive player, Can't doesn't skate as well as he used to. Raffle's very reliable. He's a very good puck possession guy. So that's what you're looking at as a, as a third line. And then as your fourth line, now you're, you keep Scott Lawton as a fourth-line center, a position he played well last year, and then you, you go with let's say uh, Nick Aubé Kubel uh, on the right, 
and you know you can go Lear, you can go J- J- Jordan can, Wheel, Taylor, Taylor Lear, Lear, you know, or you know, they, you, any number of guys could be. Now the real question, the real question is if if that ends up happening, then who are we not having a spot for, Anthony? Well, you got the issue. There's a real issue here because Dale Weiss and Yuri Laterra is not in your top twelve. You're right. Yes, and Dale Weiss and Yuri Laterra are both under contract, and so the Flyers have to make a determination if they're just going to waive these guys and suck up that money, or if they're going to carry them on the roster. I don't see the need to carrying them on the roster now. Weiss, the thing with Weiss is, is he's under contract for what two more years uh, yeah. after this one, right? Yep. That's a problem. Um, so maybe it's easier to waive Laterra and you just say, yeah, well, f- nobody's going to take him. Frick, we'll just pay that salary and stick him in the minors. Weiss probably has to stick as the extra forward because of because of the contract. You're not going to get out of it. Nobody's going to take oh, you it. You know what? Hey, he's only uh, he's only under contract this season and next. Two more seasons. Yeah, two more full seasons. Yeah, okay. I don't I don't include... Okay. When you said two more, I thought you meant two more after this year. I was like, cool. No, no. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it's, it is what it is. But, I mean, so if he was in the final year, yeah, you'd probably wave him and just suck up the money. Um, but I, so I think he ends up staying on the roster. Um, I, I just think that you get a little bit more balance through the lineup instead of being so top-heavy. I, I, I just think that that works. I mean... When you look at the teams that were most successful in hockey over the last couple of years, it's teams with good balance, not necessarily teams with dominant players. Obviously, you know Pittsburgh's had your you have your Crosby's and your Malkins, okay, but it's it's the reason that Pittsburgh was winning a Stanley Cup, the reason Washington won a Stanley Cup last year, uh, the reason teams like Vegas got to the final and San Jose got to the final is they had great depth. They were able to roll a third and a fourth line. L.A. when they won their cups. The Blackhawks when they won their cups. Um, Boston when they were, were good. They were always able to put together good third and fourth lines that could really can take over against the other team's third and fourth lines. The Flyers don't have that, and that's why they're, they've been mired in mediocrity uh, for so long. It's when you are able to put together third and fourth lines that are good and and better than what other teams have. That's what makes you. That that's what separates you and makes you a, a not only just a playoff team, but a playoff team that can you know do some damage in the postseason. All right. So a uh, a question that came in from Twitter that's I guess somewhat related to the center thing. Uh, Matthew Groves at Groves one zero two eight seven said on Twitter: Giroux going to have another MVP caliber year? Question mark. Coots injury going to linger all year? Question mark. Uh, I don't. I don't know the the Couturier thing. We still don't have a definitive answer on on what exactly the injury was. You speculated meniscus. If that's the case, that shouldn't be a lingering injury. Um, Giroux is an MVP candidate. I can only see if he's on the wing. Like he's got to play probably eighty five percent of of his uh, his lines on on the wing. I I just don't think he can handle the the workload that you know being a center, a top line center in in the league, kind of carries with it. I think he inherently puts too much responsibility on his own shoulders uh, as a player, but especially as a center, I think he he puts way too much pressure on himself. I think going out to the wing kind of alleviated a little bit of that on him last year and kind of allowed him to flourish. Ultimately, I, I would say going forward in an effort to try to uh, you know lengthen the remainder of his career, I think he's he's best suited to play on the wing and uh, you know burying him back at, at center 
I just don't think is going to be an effective thing. I, I understand the lineups that, that you had kind of proposed and why you would do it like that, but um, I don't think we're going to get the best closure rookies back at center. It's just me. Oh, I, I think that that's a fair analysis. Um, but I don't ever question Giroux. I, I think that putting him on the wing kept him more fresh, which was why he was able to have a great season. So I do think there is a correlation there. But I don't, that, I don't think that that precludes him from being able to play center again and not be successful. I think he could well be successful playing center. It's just got to be managed properly uh, or managed differently. In other words, they got to probably do with, with him some of the things that they did with used to do with uh, Pittsburgh used to do with Malkin, right? So what they would do is is you would have you know Crosby as your center on one line, Malkin as your center on a, on the second line, um, but that you know ten fifteen times a game they're going to put the two of them together, and you know one of them's got to play on the wing, and you know they bounce probably mostly I would say Crosby. Uh, even though he would take the draws, he would play like the the winger because he would play along the wall, right? And Malkin would play kind of in the middle. Um, but still, I mean, that's that's kind of how they would do it. So you could, in essence, you know, have Giroux as a center in your lineup, and then kind of you know in game move him around and and still keep his keep his body fresh. So I think that that's that's certainly a doable thing. Um, it's just got to be managed, and it's going to be hard to kind of really track um, because if, if you're doing it from game to game, you know, uh, this shift he played on left wing, this shift he played center. Well, how do you know if it was a change on the fly? Just because he's out there with two other guys who were non-centers, does that make him a center? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's it's really it, it's really a hard thing to really kind of pin down and track, but I, I think it's something that's certainly doable. Um, so... We'll see. I mean, Couturier basically came out and said that you know he's going to skate by himself for another week or two, um, and then he'll he'll get back to full practice and get into a couple preseason games before the season opens um, at the beginning of October. So I, yeah, I, there, it's going to be interesting. It really is. I, I think it's going to be um, an interesting thing to see how this is put together. But I think we'll learn pretty quick. I think we'll learn pretty quick what their plan is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's kind of go back to... Here's another question from Twitter. Um, with the injury to Andrew McDonald, uh, Steve Appleman asks his on uh, Twitter, at Snapple Apple, replace the L's with ones, uh, do you think Myers, Phil Myers, makes the team now that Andrew McDonald is at for about six weeks, or do you think they'll, they're going to use uh, Fallen in that spot? Fallen? Fallen? In that spot to develop Myers more? I would hope that Phil Myers at least gets a, a legitimate look at don't know if he's going to end up making the team or not in this interim thing and also where he's going to fit. I don't want him to be Travis Sanheim 2.0 sitting in the press box. So, um, I, I think he'll get a look in camp. I'm not convinced he's going to make the team because I don't think he's a top six guy right off the bat. Um, Christian Foley will play. Um, I, I think that the seventh defenseman will be TJ Brennan because he's got NHL experience. Um, and he's a guy that you can put into a role where he's just going to sit in the press box for most of most, if not all, of two to three weeks uh, while you wait for McDonald to get back, and it's not going to stunt any kind of development or anything because he's a veteran player. Whereas that time could be used for Phil Myers to actually be playing in games in the AHL. Um, now Myers can come in, have a great camp, 
look awesome in the preseason and really force the Flyers' hand and say, you know what, this kid deserves a shot. Let's give him the shot. Um, but I think that they're going to treat him in a lot of a lot of the same way that they treated Sam Warren at the beginning of last year. They kind of viewed him as a guy that you know they'd rather not have on the NHL roster, although he was close go down and play bigger minutes in the AHL. And I think that that's probably probably where Myers is right now. Again, it, the great line, I mean, it's not a great line, but it's something that's said in hockey all the time, is the player will let you know when he's ready. And you can have a, you can have a perceived timeline for a player to be ready to come into the NHL, and that could be, it could end up being far longer than what your perceived timeline is. It can end up being much shorter than what your perceived timeline is. The player will let you know. Like they'll, they'll, Their ability and their skill level will let you know when they're ready to come into the NHL. So I think that that's ultimately what it's going to be for Phil Myers too. Um, and a lot of people got to remember, I mean, he was an undrafted player. And so there's there's a lot, even though that you know he's shown some promise and is going to be a guy that's going to probably play in the, in the league and hopefully be a good defenseman for the Flyers, it's still going to take t- take time to get him to where you need him to be. So, yeah, I I think Brennan. I mean, look, guys can get hurt. There could be a lot of things that happen between now and and the start of the season. If I had to guess, Fallen's one of the six. Brennan is your seven, and Phil Myers is in camp all the way to the end and gets sent back to the Phantoms. All right, uh, back to another Twitter question. Uh, let's see. This was from uh, Jonathan R. Brodo, who ha- actually was the one who initially asked what the equivalent package for a Flyers uh, trade for Carlson would have been based on the San Jose deal. The second part of his question was, uh, using that trade as a barometer, do we think the Flyers have the pieces to go for another top two or top four defenseman on the trade market uh, like Trubo or Falk? I'm not so sure that the Carlson trade uh, is really going to set the market for what those guys are going to be in terms of value. I'm sure that there are going to be plenty of teams that are going to want to use the uh, the Carlson trade as the precedent, um, knowing that like you know the the picks were high, but the actual immediate impact of NHL roster players was kind of low. Um, uh, I, I think, think that yeah, I think that teams know that this is this the Carlson situation was a unique situation and that he was sold for you know less than his value um so i don't think that i don't think it will really set a market at all uh to be honest with you because of the uniqueness of the situation i mean there was so much turmoil that was taking place in toronto or in ottawa rather whether it was you know by the team's own uh ineptitude uh by its you know poor managerial style uh, or whether it was the drama that played out, um, it, you know, in the within the locker room with the with the wives and girlfriends and uh, and and the like. So I, there was a lot going on there that I think that you can't, you know, even though we're talking about the one of the best players in the game getting traded, it, I don't think it can set the. You know, really, ultimately, the Senators, <laughs> the Senators are going to end up with seven players for. Eric Carlson. Now, none of the seven may be stars, but they're going to end up with seven players. And if you hit on two or three of them as legitimate players, 
then maybe it's, you know, three years from now, you look at this trade and Eric Carlson's playing somewhere else other than San Jose, and you say, you know what, Ottawa actually did pretty okay. Um, or three years from now, you know, Carlson's won a Stanley Cup with the Sharks. He's got a new long-term contract, loving it out in Cali, and none of the players that the Sharks sent, the Senators or the picks have panned out, and then the Senators look even worse than they are. Who knows? But the fact is is that it's one of those unique situations that I don't think will be used as a barometer for any future trades. And, and you know, it's interesting that everybody keeps talking about the Flyers needing to add uh, on the blue line. And I, I'm not convinced that they do. I, I'm not. I mean, there's a, I, I'm not sitting here telling you that the defense is great. I think that there are, you know, every player has weaknesses, and including the best players. Uh, Provorov may not have meant much in the way of weakness, but Gostas Bear certainly does. Um, as good as he is, he does have he does have faults to his game. Um, but I think that the Flyers' real issues currently, well, currently are in goal, um, which you know they're hoping will be answered within the next calendar year with Carter Hart. Um, but I think that it's forward depth and scoring depth. I think that's where the Flyers are really lacking. And I think that that's a place that if they need to make moves in this season to um, to get better, if they need to make a trade, I think ultimately that's going to be what they're going to be looking to add more so than uh, another defenseman. All right. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to get to before we move on to uh, our final segment? Anything I wanted to get to? Yeah. Is there anything no. that you, you find pressing? Uh, all right. Well, with no. that in mind, with that in mind let's move <laughs> on pressing. to... Uh, to one last thing. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're going to move on to everybody's favorite segment. Go ahead. All right, Anthony, are you ready for Who's That Flyer? Here we go. Whew. This was a hard one. I, uh, I compiled a lot of data for you because I didn't want you to feel out in the cold on this one. Cold as ice. You're as cold as ice. Uh, here we go. This flyer played uh, for the, the orange and black from the years uh, 1999. He entered their system and stayed with the team between the Flyers and the Phantoms through the 2004-2005 season. The main reason that I brought this guy up is because in 2002-2003, he finished second in penalty minutes behind only the iconic Donald Brashear. And uh, this player's uh, 105 penalty minutes that year didn't even come close to his career high that he set a few years later uh, playing in on, on a Western Conference team where he racked up 174 penalty minutes. Anthony... Who's that flyer? Well, this is an easy one for me, Russ, because when I worked for the Flyers, we, um, in the office, we had a cluster of desks. And in that cluster uh, of desks where, where I was situated was me, Bob the Hound Kelly, and this guy, Todd Fedor. That is correct, Anthony. Ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony yeah, for, for, Sanfilippo is probably the fastest answer that he's had on Who's That Flyer. We're out here. It's a new a new week for the good old Anthony. As, uh, yes, Fedorik. <laughs> that, was, that was a yeah, snazzy answer there, fella. Well done. Yeah, the, the, fridge, the fridge and I have had many, many, many conversations over the years about hockey and his career and what took place. I mean, he's actually had some, um, some real interesting... Uh, times in his life i mean he's he's gone through a lot um uh he, he's uh you know he's in, been in oh, recovery you're gonna, you're gonna make this um, sad aren't you 
No, I'm not going to make it sad. You know, no, but you know what? His Twitter handle, and I don't even know if it. I don't know if his um, the picture on his Twitter. You got to look. Maybe you have to look it up. Um, but the picture that he had for a long time on his Twitter profile um, was an X-ray of his face. Yep, still is. Yeah, and it's a, it's a legitimate X-ray of his face um, after. He had his face – he broke his face like in a fight, and it was pretty bad. And that's all the steel oh that was God. put into his face. And it's a, it's a real photo. Like if you want to – so go ahead. Give the link out so people – what's his, his, at, his handle? His handle is uh, at Fridge29. Yeah. So check out that picture because that is an actual um, X-ray photo, and all of that metal is in that's his insane. face. Isn't that crazy? He really is the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So there's yeah, there's one thing that people I don't think will recognize that I'm going to explain to them right now. Uh it looks like probably his first 3 maybe f- Yeah, I think it's I think it's at least his front two teeth, maybe the front 3. Uh he has implants. So you can actually see where the screws are up in the gum line. It almost looks like the teeth have been impacted up high, but those are those are actually just implanted screws. And I guess the uh the composite doesn't show up on that x-ray. That's interesting. I'll give you another little tidbit about Fridge. Yeah. He, he and I share no a way. birthday. No yes. We're both born February 13th. I got him by five years. I'm five years older than him. But, uh, yeah, Fr- Fridge and I actually became close. I mean, I, you know, he was a, just a guy who the Flyers would call up when I first started covering the team. When I started covering the team uh, in 2000, which was his first year um, – um, with the with the big club, he had been down in the uh, AHL and the ECHL for a while uh, before that. But uh, that was his first year. He got a, a taste of the big club, and I was, and I covered him. And whatever, I got to, you get to know him a little bit. Um, but the the year that I really got to know Fridge was the uh, lockout year, oh four oh five, when I was covering the Phantoms, and he was on that team. And there was a lot of guys who were mad at Fridge for playing that season with the Phantoms because he signed a. Um, an AHL only contract to play that season with the Phantoms because um, he had his entry level deal was up. He had a three year entry level deal, and his uh, entry level deal was up, and um, he signed an AHL only contract to play. So basically, they were mad at him because it was like he was crossing the picket line. Um, but you know, we you know he said, "Listen, I'm a guy who's you know." needs to play to get noticed and I can't take a year off like all these other veteran guys do. So he went and played for the Phantoms that year. Um, and so, you know, Fridge and I got, you know, became pretty close. I was the only reporter covering the team that year. And, and uh, it was, so I got to know him really well. And I was like, well, this is going to be cool because next year he'll be on the team on the flyers. I'll have a good guy in the locker room that I can go to. And as soon as they came out of the lockout, they traded him to Anaheim, <laughs> which by the way is where he set the, uh, the career high of 174 penalty minutes. So, Oof, oof. Yeah, yeah, and that, so that was a that was a disappointing um, uh, thing. Although they did get a, which I thought was kind of impressive, they got a fourth round pick um, from the Ducks for Fedorik. Not that they did anything with that fourth round pick. I don't even remember who it was, but um, I don't think it was anybody anybody who ever made it to the big club or even made it to the NHL for that matter. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got a fourth round pick for Fedorik. It kind of surprised me, um, and I, I you know I would trade just uh, Todd Fedorik for a fourth round pick too, <laughs> if I were the Flyers. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that was uh, 
Yeah, that was a good question, though. Good, good question, Thanks, man. You, you know, guys. I just wanted to make sure that I actually gave you a little bit of info this time. I always feel bad if it takes you a little bit longer That's than good. the than the listeners to get it right, and I I don't want to keep it too uh, too general for you. So here we go. Maybe a little bit too yeah, specific. Good. I'm gonna have to find the uh, the perfect balance as we kind of get into uh, hockey season here, and uh, you know we are back to regular weekly podcasts. I don't know. Maybe we'll go twice a week once hockey season starts out. Probably not. Probably just once. Uh, I don't want to run out of snow the goalie. Uh, who's that flyer candidates? That would be bad. Anyway, uh, anything else of fun or anything of note? Why don't you give the people the uh, the info again one more time in case in case Seriously? yeah give people the info one more time on uh, on guys and dolls. Where's that Swarthmore Theater? Players Club of Swarthmore opens fr- uh, Friday February sep- February fe- Friday September fourteenth. Uh, and runs through Saturday, September 29th, PCSTheater.org. Uh, I think I, I think Russ Joy is going to come see the show, right? To. Yeah, I should be there. <laughs> I should, I should be Go there. Go online, get your tickets. So uh, come see it. And Glenn Macnow's in it, so that would be that's fun. You can meet Glenn as well. All right. Well, that could be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to uh, hearing the reviews of the people going on Twitter and checking out the reviews uh, by the people, of the people, by the people, for the people of... Uh, of your directing, uh, is it your directing b- debut? It's my. It's not my directing debut. I've directed shows before. This is my first main stage musical. Okay. I like that. I dig it. So I've directed. Yeah, I've directed shows before. Uh, I directed a show on the main stage last year. I directed uh, other shows on the second stage, uh, but this is the first time I'm directing a musical on the main stage. All right, cool. Uh, hey, Anthony, we uh, we have a five star review, so we're gonna check that one out real quick. Uh, N.J. Todd. NJ Todd, I don't think we read this one before. Love this show, five stars. I used to work for an ad agency and first discovered Anthony Sanfilippo by stealing copies of the Delco Times from our tear sheet department. Being able to read him again on Crossing Broad has been great, and the podcast are even better. He and Russ have fantastic and often differing insights into the Flyers and NHL, which includes the right amount of humor and sarcasm to make this a must-listen for all Flyers and hockey fans. Well, thank you, NJ Todd, and I hope you have a great day. hope you have one of the best days. And speaking of great days, Flyers training camp is opening. And that, my friends, is a is a good day as we get ready for hockey season. So uh, for Anthony, until next week, you can find him on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. We will talk to you again next week.